and welcome to The Leadership Journey. I'm Holly Ferguson. And I'm John Barclay. In this episode, we're going to be talking about defining culture. Defining culture is a critical part of the process of knowing what you want and understanding where you're at. Exactly. And what I've learned from being around you is that culture is not stagnant. It can change. And even if you get to a point where you think your culture is great, doesn't mean it can't regress. Culture is evolving all the time. And when we think about all the effort we put in to evolve our culture and grow our culture towards what we want to do, as soon as you start changing the system, the systems and processes people work in, that has an impact. That can either help it or it could hinder it. You can change people in your team. And as soon as you change people in your team, you've got some different beliefs and you've got some different mindsets. And that, again, can really help it or it could hinder it. And culture's forever evolving. And unless you're really clear on what the attributes are that you're trying to influence or create, then you don't necessarily have clarity enough to pay attention to where you're at and what you need to be adjusting. It seems like culture is quite a delicate thing because it could flip at the flip of a switch. There you go. And how do you stop getting frustrated with the fact that something really minor could actually really hinder a culture and not improve it or just keep it the same? I think fundamentally it goes to you don't have control of the culture. You really only have an influence on it. And as long as you stay focused on how you're influencing it, then when you have those moments where it's gone to a place that you wish it hadn't and things are occurring that, you, that you're a little bit frustrated by, if you're coming from a place of control, then that's gonna, it's going to frustrate you and you're going to respond accordingly. But if you know you're in a position of influence, then you're probably going to try and understand what's happening and why and what you need to do to influence it again. And I'm sure sometimes it's pretty obvious when a culture has changed, but other times it may not be as obvious are there any sort of key markers or indicators that something isn't the same or has gone wrong really good question and I think this is the moment to maybe get people to realize there's a slight difference between climate and culture so when you're looking at something that's happening right now is that being is that happening because of forces that are pushing on our our environment or our team or our people but it's only short-lived. So therefore then maybe it's only a climate impact that needs to happen. And if you're strong and focused on your culture, you'll come out the other end back to where the culture should be. Or is it a fundamental shift in what people are believing and thinking and perceiving and starting to behave? And therefore then it's actually starting to shift the culture. So it's not a straightforward answer, but I think as a leader, as long as you're curious about it, and you're listening to it and you're trying to understand what's happening for people, you'll get a better understanding of is this just a bit of a short-term impact on our team because of what's happened from these forces or, hey, there's a fundamental shift happening in, what, in the way we're doing our work here. In considering climate, I, my mind goes to the COVID situation. We might have initially thought it was going to be something that impacted us for a short period of time and now it's evolved into a longer thing how does that play into culture initially you're right I think a lot of people thought this would be a sort of a six eight week maybe a couple of month process so 
it becomes a very climate focus. We need to adjust a few things to manage ourselves through the next short period of time. But we do need to understand how we lead and respond in that scenario can have a significant impact afterwards. But this has been such a long period of time. It's not a climate shift. It's a cultural shift. And it's put pressures on businesses to have to do new things and do different things. And I think some of that's been actually helpful. And I think some of it's been quite hindering. But for those leaders that understood the impact of a pandemic on their people and really started to turn their attention to how people are feeling in this scenario has probably in some instance strengthened their culture because people do feel more valued and feel a connection to their leader that they may not have had in a traditional sense. So yeah, it, it can depend on how we respond to it, which is a critical aspect of all culture. And do you have any advice for companies that maybe are evolving out of the COVID situation, people are coming back into the office a bit more and it shifts the culture from being something that was quite online based how do you bring that back into the person to person it goes back to intention as people start to come back in and connect again you can either just let that happen organically and just let that flow or you can come in with intention as we bring people back in what do we want to foster again what do we want to create again is this a moment to create something bigger than we had prior is this an opportunity to re-establish what we had prior To me, it all comes back to having a clear intention. If we don't have that clear intention, you may get something you didn't intend to get. In this episode, we are very lucky to be joined in the studio by Jeff Dean. Jeff is one of our colleagues at Barclays where he's an executive consultant. He has international coaching experience and has worked across many different industries. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Jeff. It's, it's good to get the opportunity to have a talk to you about culture and, and keep unpacking that subject. Culture's quite a subjective thing and there's lots of definitions out there. So to start the conversation, how do you define it? How do you sort of explain culture? Uh, f- for me, basically, culture is how things are done here. No matter what the, the systems or the processes or the policy on the wall states, it's it's, it's what, what's the reality. If, if you join a new company, you find out very quickly by your peers, by the, the management, whether what you're doing is in line with, with the way that they want it. And so there's a lot of unspoken things that come into it. I met Andrew Johns, the rugby legend, a number of years ago. He, he was on a construction project talking about leadership and culture. And he said that Everywhere has a culture, and it's either a culture by default or a culture by design. And I, I really liked that. Do we, do we just get the culture that we've inherited and, and evolved, or are we trying to create something that we're moving forward into? Similar connection I have around the way things are done around here and what's the way we shape it and go through. So when we start to think about culture in, in the sense of intention or by design, what's your perspective then of the different stages of culture and how culture evolves and I think we talk about quite a few people talk about it the maturity stage of culture I mean what's your perspective on that there's a there's a number of models around cultural maturity states Um, I guess what I'm going to be speaking about today is based on Ken Wilber's integral model but there's there's four distinct levels being you know reacting culture conforming culture achieving and then integral as, as four distinct stages 
unpacking that then so what is it about that first stage of reactive what does that look like what are some of the elements that people would experience at that stage of maturity if you walk into an organization that has a reactive culture you're going to see notice that there might not be a lot of alignment between different departments or managers Um, everything is around putting out fires so that the pendulum of focus sort of swings between whatever crisis is is happening and can actually be quite frustrating for everyone involved because you want to be accomplishing and achieving things. And if you're reacting, if you don't have that level of proactivity and and planning in place, then you keep getting thwarted as to what you're trying to achieve because everyone's focus swings so much. There might be competing commitments that are that are happening. The levels of relationship and trust through the organization might be quite low you know it might be a lot of silos happening and maybe not a lot of information sharing and that's some of the the hallmarks of reacting culture and what's the next stage and what does that look like is it any better the next stage is conforming so conforming is about following the rules the the emphasis here is we we follow the rules we follow the procedures in a in a conforming culture you're more likely to get a more predictable level of performance than a reacting culture but if the focus is on following the rules then there's probably going to be some penalties when there's not and maybe a bit of authoritarianism when it comes to that and punishment again not very high on the trust and respect and the relationship through the organization but probably some a slightly higher level of performance or predictability than reactive. It's a pretty common comfort zone for people that conforming culture isn't it? Yeah, because if people just follow the rules, then surely we'll get stuff done, right? Whether it's whether it's about safety, whether it's about operations, we have this process and if people follow the process, we'll get where we need to be. And so there's that thinking that, and that's where the discipline comes in. Well, if people aren't following the process or the procedure, then they're doing it wrong and there's some sort of consequence for that. But fundamentally, in that conforming stage, there's some elements in there that are really important to hold on to though isn't there it's not where the reactive stage actually is quite difficult for people and that cultural maturity stage is very very difficult to operate in you're just busy being busy there are some good elements to conforming though isn't there as you go up all of the different levels so the highest level is an integral level you can still react when you need to you can still be achieving or or have elements of conforming and high performance teams they still have procedures and processes in place that they're they're likely to follow to get the results that they want it's just that the emphasis on is on something different the emphasis isn't on we need to follow the rules at all cost the emphasis on we need to achieve this goal that we have set part of that comes from us following our own processes but we need to be proactive we need to be in communication we need to be you know building relationship and trust within our organization so that we can harness people so Definitely some useful things in conforming. Without going through all of those, why is it important, do you think, for organisational leaders to understand those different maturity stages and what shows up in them? I think what's useful is it gives you a benchmark to compare where are we now? And if you start to do some digging and start showing a bit of curiosity about where your culture is, then you can start to decide where do we want to be? I think that goes back to what you're saying at the start when you met and Andrew Johns. Johns. 
that culture by design, actually knowing what you're trying to achieve means you've got to sort of know what, where you're starting from and what are some of the things you need to do to evolve it. Yes. And I think that's, for me, really helpful when you think about, well, what are the culture maturity stages and what are the characteristics of that? And therefore, then, how do, how do I, as a leader, start to shape some of those changes? If a leader's starting to listen and observe and be curious about what stage they're at, what's really important for them to be paying attention to when they start actually understanding what's happening in their culture level? I think they need to do a lot of listening. You know, go out and talk to your people. Um, There might be some sort of survey or diagnostic that you want to run to try and get a sense of where you are, but then you've got to go and have conversations with people and find out what their perspectives are so that, so that you get a really well-rounded view, see what some of the big issues are. You know, What are the things that are driving people mad? What are the things where people feel thwarted through the organisation that they can't achieve their goals? What's working well right now and what's missing that would have us be more productive, be more proactive, be more effective? And if an organisation gets up to the integral level... Is there a risk of them falling back down? How do they start to maintain that position? Look, it it definitely takes work and it takes constant work. I've worked on some very large construction projects from 4,000 to 20,000 people. In those, being a project, there's a beginning, middle and end. So as the different organisations finish their scopes, they massive changes in their their workforce, their manning. So they might start with 300 people and go up to 1,000 and then drop down to 500. So as as the amount of people in the organisation change, the culture is having all sorts of influence as well. We've already developed this culture. Now we have 500 more people, which is double the amount of people. So our culture is diluted. How can we maintain the culture that we have and bring these new people on board? Changes of leadership have differences in culture because... If you have a leader who joins your organisation, one of the things they love to do is make their mark on the place. And so how do you get that leader to buy into the culture that you've created so that they align with it and don't try and take it off the rails? Because I hadn't actually thought about organisation that's so rapidly changing. Is there something they can do to help streamline the cultural process? Is that even a thing or bring everyone? Is it an onboarding thing? It's a bit of everything. You've got to have multiple touch points and it's got to be something that you talk about all of the time. It becomes a value. Creating the culture that you want to create becomes a value. It's spoken about. It's brainstormed. How do we bring it to life new this week or this month? We hold ourselves to account for it. So, you know, where are we doing it well and where are we Where are we not showing up like that? And having those conversations regularly so that we can make the micro course adjustments that we need to be so that we can all show up in the right way to to build that what we want to build. As leaders go out and listen and understand what's going on there, what are some of the pitfalls we can fall into in trying to address or deal with some of the things we're hearing that we know we want to adjust? I think when we go out and speak to people, it's important to do more listening than talking. It's easy to have your own idea or perception of what's going on or what the challenges are or what's what's the reason why morale is down or if we ask the question and listen through our personal filter you know to to try and confirm what we think we already know versus 
listening to understand how it is for others, you know, really sitting in that space of curiosity and and not letting ourselves or, or catching ourselves when we drift back to, I already know what's happening. That's the bit I like every time we talk about this is when we're listening, are we listening to validate what I already know or am I listening to be really curious to find out things that I didn't know? Yes. And that's just such a common challenge for leaders because when we do listen, one of the hardest things is not preparing yourself to have a response and it's hard right because we have this little voice in our head and the little voice in our head um, is always judging and assessing it's thinking about what do I need out of this conversation do I agree or disagree with what the person's saying and trying to notice that little voice and push it to the side to allow us to really be with someone and, and get their experience and not let our own filters and biases get in place is it's difficult and it takes constant work I guess my last question in all of this then is for those listening to this, what's the one bit of advice you've got for them to continue their greater impact on the way their culture's evolving? Um, the way that you show up every day makes such a difference to the people around you. What's your leadership intention this week? We have lots of different KPIs and lots of different demands on us, but how are you going to show up this week as a leader and and how are you going to make a difference to the culture? What actions are you going to take to create the culture and just be part of what you already have? Jeff Dean, thank you so much for being on The Leadership Journey. Thanks, Harley. Thanks, John. Thank you. So Jeff did a great job at giving us a bit of a taster about Ken Wilbur and those four cultural maturity stages. Where does that come from? How did you discover that? Ken Wilbur looks at the world in a very holistic way and that's what that integral model is all about. And I came across that model as I was evolving my understanding of culture maturities and originally I started with probably a slightly slim, simplistic version of it where I had three stages, not four. I had the the reactive stage, I had the conforming stage, but I had this values stage. And I was trying to help people understand that to get out of that con- just conforming, we needed to value things. Like we actually needed to make it more personal. We needed to get a broader perspective of things. And as I educated myself and as I went and wanted to find more about those, I came across Ken Wilber's integral model and it aligned very much to what I was thinking, but it really unpacked that value stage in two different ways. It it allowed us to see the achieving stage of that, which was that's all about achieving a goal um, or achieving our objectives together j- rather than just following rules. And then it started to look at the holistic part of people and systems and the environment and beliefs and and all those things as you move into that integral world where it actually becomes about everything and as as jeff said when you're in that world well you you do react well when you need to react and you conform well because there's certain aspects of the conforming that's really powerful and you're constantly looking for ways to achieve but everyone in the when you're in that integral stage everyone has a fundamental connection to all of that and a good sense of shared belief and shared alignment to what's important around here. Something that I think could actually sort of pan into its own episode is setting intentions because it came up with what Jeff said that you need to show up with intention as a leader and you mentioned it in our intro. Can you give us maybe a little quick 101 on 
what intentions are and how you set them and why they're important? It's one of those things around making space and time for your values and what you value and how you want them showing up, not just in self, but how you want them showing up in your team and defining them out. We don't actually define those things out. And as Jeff said with Andrew Johns, if you don't do that well, then you're not going to get a culture by design. You're not going to get the culture you're designing to create. And the intentional part is sitting in that moment and being comfortable to understand that the answers aren't going to come to you straight away. That the first set of intention isn't probably going to be as clear as you want it to be but that's okay come back and revisit it come back and look at it I think the leaders that think the answers they get the first time are the right ones are the ones that tend to create a bit of momentum around things and don't really understand the unintended consequences of those I think the leaders that sit in those intentions a little bit more frequently and learn from them and listen to people and adjust those intentions slightly are the ones that tend to get a better longer-term resolve. Can you give me any example of I went in with this intention, had this conversation and that changed things? Quite a few. For me, I sit heavily in what I call my rich values and I've, I've intentionally done that with our organisation. And one of those is around respect which is assuming good intent and that's a fundamental part of what I mean by going in with intent things don't always go the way we want so say you ask someone to go deliver on something and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go in that moment I haven't sat with intention as a leader to create a culture where we have respect for each other and that comes from the intent we have in people If I don't step into that with good intent, then I'm not going to create an environment where people know that we assume good intent. So just that that example where someone's done something, they haven't got a result that we're looking for, hasn't performed the way we want. I could go in and just go straight in with blame and judgment and, and critical feedback. Or I can go into that curious and understand what happened, what am I missing, what happened for them and assume that they were trying to do a right thing, they were trying to do a good thing, but you know, just didn't go to plan, we tend to learn more from that rather than blame. Sounds like you have to be very aware of your actions, aware of what you're saying and processing, which sounds like a skill you really have to develop to not react straight away. And I guess that's where the reactive culture stage comes in, is that immediate spark of, you've done this, this is my immediate reaction, I'm not thinking about how I really should respond Yeah, and we talk about how the leader shapes culture and that's an example of that. You know, if I'm if I'm a leader that just reacts to everything that's in front of me, then I'm gonna create a culture like that. People are just gonna be very reactionary. Where if I'm actually very responsive, if I'm actually very curious and I'm very learning orientated then I'm going to create a culture like that where people are very curious and they're willing to learn and we're willing to grow. So it does come from our intention and most of the time we step into it and react to it, you know, where actually we probably need to come in with a bit of intention. And last question, a lot of this relies on really good listening skills. Do you have any tips on listening? It sounds like something that should be easy, but I don't think it is. No, it's not because we tend to get caught up in our own words, voice in our head and we've probably been 
taught through a lot of different avenues through school and, and education and everything else that when we're listening we need to have an answer. Like we need to be able to answer something. The whole point of listening to a question or listening to someone talk is to be able to respond, either solve a problem or answer a question. And I think it's hard to unlearn that and good listening is just being able to hear what people are saying. And I heard someone say it once, just listen to the listening and that's interesting when you hear that because well, what does that mean well don't listen to respond listen to listen and that's what it is don't feel like you have to have an answer be comfortable with the fact that you don't have to have a response you don't have to have an answer just listen and observe and take in what's being said We're at the end of this episode of The Leadership Journey. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to follow us, you can find our social media links in the description. At Barclays, we wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation, and their elders past, present and future.